0: Hey parents, it is so good to be back with you again for another episode of the Wonder of Parenting podcast, A Brain Science Approach to Parenting. Here with my good friend, Dr. Michael Gurian, and as always, we are excited to look at the questions that you've been sending to us. Today, we're going to do two questions uh, because they both tend to hit on a similar theme, although they're nuanced differently. And uh, I think that uh, many of you parents are gonna find this helpful. Uh, And uh, I want to, uh, before we get to the question, because it's about boys and their behavior, uh, Michael, tell us uh, a bit about this uh, big one-day event we're going to be doing in October together, along with our friend Ava from uh, uh, here in Phoenix as well. Uh, Helping Boys Thrive, tell us about it.
1: Yep, thank you, Helping Boys Thrive Summit. We're going to do this one as a tele-summit. So it's going to be October 1st, so people can, from all over the world, um, everyone, all of you in our podcast audience, you can join this um, wherever you are, because it's a telesummit. Uh, It's on October 1st, and then uh, it's going to be available. All the talks uh, and interactions will be available for the next seven days. And um, uh, you can go to helpingboysthrive.org helpingboysthrive.org, and you're going to see Telesummit. It's one of the first things that pops up, and you click that. It gives you everything. You can register there, all the info. Um, And we would just love to have everyone, especially people from around the world, too. It's it's a great, great chance to get to see you via TeleLife.
0: Yes. And, and based on uh, the questions that we get from our listeners, there should be a lot of people who will be interested in this, because as we've said many, many times, most of the questions we get have to do with boys. And today is no exception. We have two questions about boys and hitting. And uh, again, as I said, they are nuanced. And uh, so we wanted to take them one at a time. And I'm going to start with the first one here. Uh, I have two young boys who are 3 and 18 months. I'm at my wit's end with my three-year-old. He is defiant, continues to hit, scratch, and throw toys at his little brother and even adults at times. He hits his brother in the face and on the head with a toy and hand uh, usually. He has left scratch marks on his brother's face and neck and today split his lip by hitting him with a toy car. I don't know what else to do besides have him evaluated for ADHD or defiant disorder. I'm consistent with timeouts, have spanked him, and sad to say I've gotten so overwhelmed that I smacked him in the face recently. I know this is not good behavior on my part, and I'm having a hard time with myself over it. He has always been strong and energetic and won't stop until he gets his way. I love my boy so much, and I'm willing to do anything to make this behavior stop. I'm worried for the future. We needed to pull him from preschool recently because the teachers were not equipped to handle his type of personality. Uh, so this is a uh, uh, this is a distraught mom, to say the least. Michael, what what do you have to say?
1: Yeah. Uh, well, first of all, she I, I would suggest that she immediately get into some form of counseling, get some support uh, because when she you know when she says I got so frustrated I smacked him in the face so. Um, you know, that's, I mean, in in her state, and I think one could consider that abuse, um, that, that hitting of this vulnerable child. So I think she should get help right away. We don't know how many times it happened. We don't know anything of that. We don't know how hard she smacked him, but we, we just, it's our job to say, hey, you know, get, get help um, because there's going to be inside her uh, for whatever is her past or whatever's going on inside her that, makes her rather than walking away it, it made her at least in that one case smack him right and and uh, so there's an anger level in her that she needs to work on uh, so that would be the first thing I would say and um, and so look at counseling right away the in terms of the boy he you know a few a few possibilities uh, de- definitely she should get him tested um I, you know, I think it's early for ADD, but if he's got some sort of defiant disorder, um, uh, you take him to someone. And if she's, she's, since she is going to get counseling, um, you know, maybe get someone, get a counselor who, who is pediatric as well, who understands kids and they can look at that to see if he has a disorder. Um, and if so, that will help a lot. He may not, however, um, he may need, uh, well, one thing he may need—I didn't see any mention of dad in here—and so one thing he may need is more male influence. Um, you know, more sort of—it's hard to know the dynamic. You never know the dynamic. Even when a person comes into into my office and I'm talking to them, I'm still only getting their story, so I don't really know the dynamic that exists there. Um, but I I suspect that there's a dynamic in which she's very overwhelmed by this child and. And since she didn't mention it, is not getting enough help in providing discipline and um, you know good boundaries uh, and and values for this child from her co-parent. So if that's the dad, uh, especially with a boy, I would say more dad, you know. And she needs to give some of this over to him, and she'll be lo- less overwhelmed. And this is this is metaphorically the wait till your dad gets home that you and I were raised with right yeah when yes. we were kids yep mm-hmm. uh you know where mom got overwhelmed and said wait till your dad gets home well uh we mean that metaphorically but there's also wisdom to it we got to bring the other parent in and um and okay so i think those are some immediate suggestions then in terms of understanding him there could be some jealousy you know still i mean the he's The other child was born a year and a half ago one should kind of see the jealousy diminishing by now but um there still could be some of that and he's acting that out uh if he's throwing toys we've identified that the toys cause pain then you know then we'll need to take those toys away and and uh that's part going to be part of the discipline you just hit him with that toy you threw that toy at him we don't do that in this house i take your toy away you'll get your toy back in two days once you've proven that you're not going to do that anymore, you know? So immediate consequences, leverage the toys and uh, set a timeline, let the guy prove himself. Um, If he hits again with something else, we take that away. So we don't give the toy back in two days. And then that, you know, that continues. And that kind of uh, immediate consequence, discipline, um, uh, consistent, you know, try that for a month, and get help, obviously from dad, and like try that for a month and see what happens. See if some of this behavior dissipates, um, uh, because it's specific to the tool he's using, uh, you know, to hit, which is which are those toys. Um, the last thing I'll say in terms of you know early general takeaways, and then we can dig deeper in, is that this personality type in this boy could actually end up as once they f- help him figure out how to self-regulate and control this, uh, you know, defiant kids can end up being leaders later. So um, uh, they, they're they just in this phase now. So if, he, if it turns out he doesn't have a disorder of any kind, you know, that this is his personality, then, you know, and they go through the process of getting support from maybe counselor, from dad, um, uh, etc. And they go through the process of trying this for a month or two you know, these interventions, uh, it's, I think it's very possible they get him under control, better self-regulation, and uh, they end up with a very powerful personality, which ultimately wouldn't be a bad thing.
0: What we don't seem to have here, unless I'm missing it, is if he was like this before his little brother came along.
1: Right. Yeah. That, yeah. They don't say that. I, I suspect some of it is, is the jealousy. What
0: mm-hmm. what is what is a defiant disorder
1: oh uh, that usually happens because of um, uh, well later in life could happen from trauma mm-hmm. it's a brain disorder but it usually happens you know after attachment if there's been an attachment issue um and the the brain right that developing brain responds to trauma uh, and lack and or lack of attachment um, in a number of ways based on the genes. So some kids can get an attachment disorder, some get a defiant disorder, um, and it, it can grow from issues that have to do with attachment in the first year, year and a half of life. Um, that's one way, uh, it can come from other trauma and that brain is set up to get a disorder. And what it gets is defiant disorder. And it's a, um, you know, the child just reacts, just hyper reacts to, what he or she is asked to do to the rules um, and is defiant and won't do it and is always, always engages in power struggle, you know, with the caregiver. Um, And later will do so with maybe coaches or with teachers. Um, You know, she she references they had to pull him out of preschool. So he seems to be doing it also with the teachers. Um, If he has an actual defiant disorder, that does need to be diagnosed and they'll need to they'll try to track back to how he got that
0: mm-hmm. so so could uh the trauma of a, a new sibling entering into the house t- can that trigger something like this
1: mm-hmm. generally not you okay. know because it's so uh, what you have is a transition period in which right. in which the older child let's say becomes defiant uh is jealous is angry hits the other child you know I sometimes tell the story when I'm giving talks of my two daughters. My older daughter, after my younger was born, who who um, I think my younger was about six months, and my older daughter took a we were doing new wallpaper and took this roll of wallpaper and whapped my younger daughter, you know, on the back of the shoulders and the head. And we came in and we saw that at the last minute and grabbed it and of course punished her. And but she doesn't have a defiant disorder. She was she was jealous, you know. Right. And mm-hmm. but then it, it's a normal process. And then gradually, of course. This, this big, brother in their case, I had, she was a big sister, but in the case of this um, writer, the big brother transitions out of that into um, being the one that is worshipped by the younger sibling, the one that is um, respected by the younger sibling, and, and moves into that role, the older brother role, which is a devoted role, you know, devoted to your younger sibling. But initially, uh, it, it, It can be like this. It's not going to, however, create a brain disorder. No. Okay. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
0: All right. So the the real takeaways from this one is that mom uh, needs help from uh, a couple different places. She prob she needs to not probably she needs to uh, connect with some sort of therapist. Yep. She needs she needs to rely on not only a dad or a father figure but perhaps others in her her family community grandparents others to take off some of the pressure and also then needs to get someone who understands uh, a three-year-old boy to evaluate him and
1: see what's going on yeah if she suspects there's something going on here and i think she should talk to the preschool teachers where they you know where they had to take take him out, talk to them, really have a meeting with them, take notes, listen to them on what they think is going on with him, you know, right. Cause they're professionals mm-hmm. get that data from them. Um, get, get data from extended family. If they're around um, and from, and with dad and um, you know, and move forward on this having gathered this information and figuring out the, the right course of action, which is going to be counseling. Um, I think, I, I yeah, absolutely counseling for her since she did smack this mm-hmm. child and then and look and look at uh, a group. If the counselor she likes doesn't do pediatric, see if she can get in a counseling group where someone else in the group does do pediatric, you know, does look at kids um, uh, for evaluation and so on. Um, so that if all releases are signed, they can share notes, you know, so that they can get um, so that they can figure out what's going on in this dynamic. And as they're helping her figure out what's triggering her, what is it about what this boy does that is triggering her, and where does that come from? So they're going to be shifting the dynamic of this mother-son relationship as much as they are getting help for the individuals.
0: So we we did a whole podcast on spanking and uh, was just wondering uh, when you saw that um, she was using spanking as a form of discipline for a boy who is hitting what your thoughts
1: were on that? Well, we always have difficulty with spanking because, um, you know, somewhere around 80 to 90% of people spank their kids. And, and long ago I realized it's just not realistic to keep saying, well, you should never touch your child. Right. I mean, because 80 to 90% of people are going to, going to do it. And so we got to figure out what, what really is going on. And, and so, so when a parent, if by spanking a parent means I've, I've swatted my child on his behind, and then told him to go to his room. If that's what they mean, and it's not done frequently, then um, I actually can find no evidence that that will cause damage to a child, um, right? I mean, the, the pants right. haven't been pulled down, there's no belts, there's no, you know, it's not, it, it doesn't go into the realm of, of the power differential abuse, humiliation that abuse is. Um, and that is, I think, what eighty, to, you know, to ninety percent of people do. They do that. But ten to twenty percent or so, um, uh, they are using weapons. They're using wooden spoons. Mm. They're using belts. They're using coat hangers. The kind of stuff my mom did with us. They're stripping their kids down uh, naked, you know, or pulling their pants down and underpants down and whipping them with coat hangers and these things. That is all going to put you in jail. So that is so that's abuse and um and and what people usually mean by spanking I think is on the cusp of that but it isn't that and that's that's why most people do it um and I I personally as you know from doing previous podcasts because of the child abuse that I experienced I did not ever uh, spank my kids I just did not want to pass on the cycle mm-hmm. and so I never did um but but every once in a while uh, Gail I mean like once every six months or something, you know, would just swat one of our kids on the behind and send her to her room. That did not damage our kids. So right. if people are going to spank, they need to make sure they know exactly what they mean and what the line is. And if if they do that, you know, once every few months, swatting a child on the behind and sending them to the room, um, uh, then if that's what 80, 90% of people are doing, then okay. Um, uh, but that's the line like mm-hmm. you know you don't cross that line you don't be taking clothes down you don't be using weapons you don't and smacking a child in the face you know like I said earlier that's that's something that got to take you into counseling right away because yeah, right that away. is on the cusp you know yep. that is on the cusp
0: yeah and and i i guess i'm wondering and then we're going to move on to the next question yeah uh, this is a boy who hits and uh, is hitting a lot It's causing pain to his younger brother does a swat uh just sort of say well wait a minute if you can hit me i can hit other people or does it say oh this is what it feels like i should stop doing that
1: uh yeah no a swat on the behind once every three months does not teach a child that he should hit other people Mm -hmm. the child the child naturally contextualizes that into discipline and that he has done something wrong and he and and it's it's not abuse in the sense that he's going to pick up things and go hit other people with them like a coat hanger wasn't used on him. Now right. it's what, what what's bad about the cycle of abuse is that when a child is abused, yes, the child then uh, inculcates that and right. learns that he can do that. And they even if he doesn't do it with other kids, his peers, uh, he then becomes a parent who is more likely to hit. So that's the problem with that. But but and there is there are some thinkers out there, there are some social scientists out there who do argue, as I think you're hinting at, who will say, look, if you ever touch your child you know, you're setting your child up to go hit other people. Mm -hmm. I, I don't go along that line. And the reason I don't is because a lot of the way males, um, uh, relate to each other is through kinesthetic touch attachment. Um, you know, through the wrestling and the hitting and the punching Mm -hmm. in the shoulder and the, you know, all of these things that that's not abusive of each other that they're not abusing each other. That's their form of aggressive touch attachment. I call it aggression nurturance, as you know. It's aggressive touch attachment. And and I think most parents know that who have multiple sons. I mean, that's the easiest Petri dish for this. They see these sons constantly hitting each other, you know, right? and, right. and they see that their sons have turned out fine, but they're not hitting each other. And even I have two daughters and I've told stories of how they used to hit each other and they're not violent in any way. So, um, so, uh, touch attachment is touch attachment and abuse is abuse. And there is Got a it. line.
0: Well, and that's such a great seg because, you know, I, the second question I'm going to read is, you know, part of my question was why are boys hitting all the time? Cause these are not, this is not the first time we've talked about boys and hitting in these podcasts, but here's another one. And again, this, this is a, a very different situation. Uh, I'm the first time mother to a wonderful, healthy, typically developing 20 month old boy. I started listening to your podcast a month ago and have found it full of amazing information that I can immediately implement with my son. I'm an occupational therapist by trade, I've Shared your podcast with colleagues, teachers, staff, uh, people on the street, really anyone I meet. <laughs> well, we thank you very much for <laughs> thank that. Uh, thank you for helping making parenting less scary and more fun. Now onto my questions. We have not yet experienced any major temper tantrums with my son. However, he has begun to hit me and the dogs for fun. The hitting often occurs briefly when he is angry or frustrated. However, after I have removed him from the situation, placed him in a safe place and allowed time for his anger to subside, he tries hitting me again and then laughs and continues to hit and then laugh. Just last night, he realized I flinched when he tries to hit me. He then pulled back his hand like he was going to hit and then laughed when I flinched or scolded him. He did this several times even after I scolded him. Then my husband scolded him and he stopped. I have a few questions regarding his new behavior. We have done timeouts for the hitting when he is angry, and they have been effective for stopping the behavior. Should we do this for the hitting for fun as well? Why does he think hitting others is fun and enjoyable? There's the question. Why does he hit when he is calm? Why does does the hitting continue if he knows it's not allowed? Is there anything else we can do to stop discipline the hitting for fun? Why does he stop the hitting when my husband scolds him but he doesn't stop when I scold him. Thank you for your time and advice. I look forward to hearing from you. All right, these are such mm-hmm. really good questions, and um, and and a lot of that brain science stuff that you've been talking about for over a hundred podcasts is all right there in those <laughs> questions. So go have have a yeah. go at it.
1: <laughs> have a go. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna these all wonderful questions, which I'm gonna put in two categories. One is the the hitting um, the hitting when he's angry. Uh, uh, you know, which which needs to be disciplined um, uh, and, then, and then the father comes. When the mom disciplines him, it doesn't seem to have a lot of effect. When the father gives the discipline for that, it has an effect. That's going to be one category. The other category is going to be the hitting for fun, which is touch attachment. Buenos well, dias yes world from the San Diego Zoo Wildlife Alliance. I'm Marco Wint. And I'm Rick Schwartz. So let me start with the second and move back to the first. The uh, as she asked these questions about why he hits and enjoys hitting and and so on, this is this is for him aggression nurturance. It's touch attachment. It's experimental. We want to remember, you know, he's he's quite young. He's twenty months old. So um, uh, he he's he knows he's not really doing much damage um, uh, with that little body, and and he's just he's exploring his body kinesthetically. He's exploring his own power and self kinesthetically. Um, uh, he's bonding, uh, males bond quite a bit with aggression, nurturance, and through this, this kind of aggressive touch attachment, which doesn't include hitting. Um, and, uh, and it doesn't do damage and it often creates bonding. And so he's doing a lot of that. He wants mom to rough house back with him, right? Cause a lot of what boys are doing at that age, as they're doing it, is they're just looking for the bonding back and they don't, 20 months old, he's not really processing that I'm going to hurt someone because he doesn't see anyone get hurt, you know? So he can't experientially process hurt. He hasn't seen hurt. So, um, uh, uh, so it, it, that stuff, you know, would be normal. Uh, it would be fine. And mom hopefully will get comfortable roughhousing back. And she's, she's kind of doing a smart thing with teaching him with the flinching, you know? Um, but I think because, because she can see that he, I'm sorry because he can see that she's not hurt he is making it into the aggression game right he's still trying to bond with her so he's laughing and bonding through that and probably and this will segue to the the earlier question about when he's hitting when angry probably when she provides him discipline she probably does it in a kind of gentle way or a lot of words or you know we don't do that with that with that nice tone um, oh, no, no, we don't do that. No, don't do that. We don't do that. And and th- he's processing that at 20 months old as tonality, as kind of, oh, well, you know, everything's fine. Uh, he's not getting uh, from her what he gets from the dad. The dad's, my guess is the dad uses less words. He uses a louder voice. So his tonality uh, sounds like discipline and so so his his tone and his burst of words and however he does it is transmitting into this boy, oh, oh, I did something wrong. I must stop. And so that's that's teaching him the self-regulation. But her way and her tonality being gentle and probably quieter and is is it, he thinks he's taking it in as part of the bonding with her and he's not really getting the discipline from her. So, um uh, so ultimately what I would say is that keep using the dad i mean that's great and um because that's working uh and then mom maybe wants to look at her tone and being stronger being a little more powerful allowing the bonding and the laughing and all this when it's bonding but when he when he does it you know it, and and i think her clue is he's hitting me when he's angry okay that now is should never be allowed we should you know kids should never be hitting their 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 parents in anger or or hitting or hitting cats. I mean, they shouldn't do damage to to animate objects, that is to say, people and living things. The line is, you know, you can hit the back of the couch. You can, okay, if we're playing around, we're going to roughhouse and you're going to hit me on the arm, okay. But, you know, you don't hit animate objects. You don't hit your mother. You don't hit your father. You don't hit people um, uh, because that's the line. And um, the only loosey-goosey is when we're bonding and it's part of our wrestling. So that message is fine to get through to him, and she probably has to do that um, uh, with a different tone.
0: So I think part of what, what ties these two questions together, not, not just the hitting and their the boys, but that one of the ways the boys express themselves is through that sort of touch. It's a way that they bond, but it also can be a way that they express their anger, and when they're expressing their anger through hitting, that's when we have to redirect how it is that they're expressing that anger, and yeah. and you're you're an advocate who says it's not necessarily bad for them to hit things, but just make sure they're hitting things that can't be hurt.
1: Yeah, you just pick them up and redirect them to hitting their bed, you know, um, or hitting the back of the couch, or having an angry place in the home. He's he's twenty months. He's young for this, but later, you know, when he gets to be toddler into three, four, five, you know, if he isn't gets angry. Uh, and wants to physically somaticize that anger, put it in his body, um, then give him a Nerf bat and he hits a beanbag, Uh, you know, those big beanbags that you sit on, uh, beanbag chairs, hits one of those. I mean, these are all things that parents have done where they find, they create this angry place and they have these objects there and the child hits those. And then, because the anger, you know, when you have a feeling, right, you're, we are, our brains are set up to experience, express and expel our feelings. So they're gonna experience this anger. For some reason, he gets angry, he experiences it. He is set up to express it. And he's so young, he's probably not gonna use a lot of words. He's gonna like squirm his body around and and maybe go, you know, right? And then he wants to expel it. And so, um, so hitting that beanbag chair with the Nerf bat after about a few minutes of that, he's expelled it. So he's done with that feeling. Experienced it, expressed it, expelled it. Um, and we wanna give him opportunities to do that and maybe later he'll do karate maybe later he'll do he'll do uh, um, boxing I mean you know or he'll process his anger while he's playing soccer or you know he's always going to have a body in which he's going to process anger um, uh, so uh, that's just what it is to be human and also especially what it is to be male so um, yes I think you redirect it to inanimate objects things that can't be hurt and and, and you can't do property damage you know you can't pick up right something and. Right and break the toaster. No, 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 that's bad. Or uh, hurt himself. And, and yeah, you don't want to be hurting yourself. No, right. you don't want to be cutting yourself. No. Um, that would be of course a psychological condition. So it's redirecting it to inanimate objects and away from living things when you're angry. But when he's playing games, which is most of what he's doing, uh, then she doesn't have to stop that behavior. Um, he, cause she's worried that there's something wrong with him that he tries to bond with her. Um, mm-hmm. By, by, what she's calling hitting, a lot of which is the game of I'm going to pretend I hit you, you're going to flinch. Um, you know, she should she should teach him what she wants to teach him, but just know that a lot of that is is play as learning and play as bonding.
0: I th- I think in our culture, um, we, we tend to be afraid of males expressing their anger through hitting because we're afraid that that could go to do something else where it is not inappropriate for a girl, so to speak, uh, for example, to to cry out her anger. That seems to be, a, uh, we seem to think that's healthier. Um, does there get to a point for boys if they're taking bats and they're smashing these beanbag chairs where we say, um, we, we really need to teach them another way to do this? Or is that just always the kinesthetic expression? Is that always going to be the way that boys do things send them out for a run hit a ball around
1: Uh, yeah as they get older i think they're going to do more of the sending them out for a run they themselves when they get angry are going to go out for a run you know they're gonna they have they will have learned from what we did when they were young of redirecting them toward inanimate objects they each of them learns their own way and so one of them at 14 who's into boxing puts up uh you know a Boxing apparatus. And when he gets angry, he has learned that to self regulate, experience, express, and expel, he will go and box, right? Um, uh, Another one, you know, soccer, karate. Uh, uh, Others, as they get older, you know, they will use more words. Of course they will. And they'll express their anger in words. They'll journal it. They'll, um, you know, some will unfortunately get on the internet and say angry things on the internet. I mean, they're all going to, they're not all going to hit uh the back of the beanbag. That's that's go- that's a way in which when they're young, we're and they're nonverbal, we're giving them, you know, ways to do it. As they get older, they're gonna be more verbal and they're gonna be more able to manage themselves, to soothe themselves. We call it self soothing, where they go do the activity that soothes their anger. Uh they'll be more able to do that later. Well Michael, as always,
0: this has been really helpful. And a uh, thank you to both moms for sending in your questions to us. If you've got a question for us, go to wonderofparenting.com, wonderofparenting.com. And there is a form there where you can send in your questions. We will get them in the queue and get to them as soon as we can. There are resources there. I think we want to highlight Saving Our Sons by Michael, which is filled with all kinds of really good information about raising boys and uh, the back of the book is just as valuable because he's got all the resources for you uh, and the scientific data to back all of that up. And you can learn more about that there. also our, our great sponsors, uh, Greg Jantz and his folks up there at the Center of Place of Hope in the Seattle area. Uh, we're so grateful to them for their sponsorship and for the important work that they're doing to help all of us navigate some of these tough issues like stress and anxiety and eating disorders. You can check out more about them on their website. And again, because we are talking about boys here, our Helping Boys Thrive Summit's coming up. It's going to be a summit, October 1st, and you can learn more at helpingboysthrive.org. Michael, thank you as always. Thank you, Tim. Thanks, everybody. And we will be back with you next time for another episode of the Wonder of Parenting podcast. Thanks, everyone. Our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived.
1: Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot
0: of doors for us.
1: Just this overall sense of community, the values that you know Minnesotans have.
0: It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids.
1: See what makes Minnesota the star of the North.